for cultivating progress across the South, for working to unconditionally improve the lives of all, and for the bold underwriting of every gravy podcast. SFA thanks our visionary Louisville, Kentucky friends, Pam and Brooke Smith. So nearly every summer of my childhood, my parents, my maternal grandparents, and I loaded up in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and headed to Madeira Beach, Florida. Our destination was the Queen's Crown Motel. And on the floor of the back seat were gallon jugs of Fern Lake tap water, because my grandparents liked the beach but hated the way Florida water tasted, homegrown tomatoes, and sleeves of homemade peanut butter and crackers. Not only did sand and sunburn and one day at Disney World await, so did Stuckey's. Once we crossed the Georgia line, we'd stop for acceptably clean bathrooms because both my mother and grandmother had standards, gas, and a pecan log or two. As the first convenience store chain to endear itself to travelers through those reliably clean restrooms, kitschy gifts... Oh, I always wanted and never got something made with seashells and glued-on plastic googly eyes. (laughs) Because, again, my mother and grandmother had standards. And road food. Georgia-born Stuckey's set the standard and provided a business model for all the roadside stops to come. We're looking at you, Buckies. I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm Sarah Camp Milam. You're listening to Gravy. 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 A production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, Gravy tells the stories of the changing American South. Described by the New York Times as both a Disneyland of roadside capitalism and the through line of America's second largest state, Bucky's iconic buck-toothed beaver mascot has been spotted not just on billboards, but on the wedding cakes and tattooed arms of its most loyal customers. Founded as a small-town gas station, today it boasts 59 locations across the South and is known for massive floor spaces that brim with souvenirs, fudge, barbecue stations, cases of jerky, and walls of branded snacks. Bucky's ascendance has been fast, a recent phenomenon. Today, both Stuckey's and Bucky's find themselves at a crossroads. Bucky's is rapidly expanding, while following years of corporate mismanagement and decline, Stuckey's is rebuilding itself, one pecan log at a time. In this episode, we'll ride shotgun with Evan Stern as he explores how food has shaped these companies' brand identities, how they're grappling with change, and what their stories reveal about the past, present, and future of snacking on the American road. It's the second Sunday in November, and at the Bucky's in New Braunfels, Texas, just 35 miles northeast of the Alamo, a team of workers in cowboy hats have united as a chorus to announce that a fresh brisket has landed on their cutting board for prep. Fresh brisket on the board! I'm standing at the Texas Roundup, which is an oval-shaped food island that acts as the store's centerpiece. This chant is a near-constant occurrence, as one worker tells me they regularly chop and slice as many as 60 15-pound slabs each shift. And perusing the heated display case, which includes tacos, sandwiches, sausages on sticks, and freshly made potato chips, I meet a young San Antonio couple named Jenna and Jose, who show me their haul. So 
we've got the Bucky's milk chocolate coconut almonds, some cheese it's of course, a pulled pork sandwich and three Bucky shirts. It's, yeah, what, what do you have here? Cheesesteak burrito and the, the beaver pods are just delicious. Juggling two toddler sons, they tell me they drove up to New Braunfels so the kids could have their pictures taken with Santa. Being in the area, they figured they'd enjoy a family outing to Bucky's, which they describe without missing a beat. Ginormous. Yeah, it's, it's just like it is bigger in Texas. It's better in Texas. It, it's nothing like Bucky's. You'll never want to go to a Valero if you got no Bucky's. <laughs> Ginormous is right. This Bucky's location is bigger than a football field at over 65,000 square feet. It boasts a thousand parking spaces, 120 fuel pumps, and 84 toilets. When it opened in 2012, it claimed to be the world's largest gas station. Since then, it's been upstaged by another Bucky's in Tennessee, with even larger megastores due to open in Texas and Florida this year. And while this all might seem a touch excessive, Jenna and Jose insist that's all kind of the point. <laughs> I just think there's something for everyone here. There's just a little bit of everything. No work can I buy gas, food, something for my mom, something for my dad, hunting gear, you know, and a gas station? Where else? Well... At this gas station, you can purchase offset smokers, deer corn, chairs for tailgating, and even a six-foot inflatable beaver to dress up the lawn. In the gift shop, you can also outfit yourself with a beaver onesie, or depending on your allegiance, spurs, cowboys, longhorn, or Aggie t-shirts. They have scented candles, picnic blankets, and decorative tins that say things like, whiskey may not be the answer, but it's worth a shot. In terms of variety, though, nothing is as expansive as their food selection. The deli has 12 kinds of jerky with seasonings like bohemian garlic, ghost pepper, Korean barbecue, and cherry maple. In the rear is the soda fountain, where you can sample flavors like coconut, sarsaparilla, cherry limeade, pineapple, and some kind of electric neon concoction called blue cream. Back at the Texas Roundup, the barbecued meats are complemented by the sweet scents of freshly roasted honey nuts, and you can sample 22 kinds of fudge. Their gummies cover a wall floor to ceiling, but I'm told Bucky's most famous package treats are beaver nuggets, which are caramel-coated corn puffs that Food & Wine named the best snack in Texas. Jenna, though, swears by their chocolate almonds, which helped get them through a recent cross-country road trip. We drove to Disney about oh, yeah. two years ago, and we stopped at every Bucky's from yeah. here to Florida. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Eric Benson, a Dallas-based journalist who covered Bucky's in a 2019 profile for Texas Monthly, tells me this level of devotion is hardly unique among their customers. You see the Bucky's logo all over the state that people are voluntarily showing. There are Bucky's bumper stickers all around. Who wear Bucky's t-shirts? People wear Bucky's hats. Uh, it's this kind of shared experience that a lot of Texans have and and enjoy talking about. In many ways, this success is metaphoric of Texas today. Since 2000, the state has gained more than 9 million residents. That's a 43% jump, and as the state has grown, so too has Bucky's, whose travel centers have positioned themselves to accommodate surging traffic that now flows between cities like Dallas and Austin. At the same time, by offering regional pastries like kolaches in the bakery and lining their shelves with pickled okra, beets, and quail eggs, 
they've somehow brought a supersized taste of old Texas country stores to otherwise soulless interstates. This presence has won them both fans and critics. It symbolizes Texas. It's the warm warmth of Texas. It's the smile of Texas. It's the home cooking. It's a kind of a kind of homespun place that you look forward to going. And I think to its detractors, it's massive pickup trucks filling the, the, the landscape with 15 acres of concrete and pushing out everything else without a concern. So how did Bucky's reach this point? Its story begins in 1982, south of Houston, outside the town of Lake Jackson. There, a 23-year-old named Arch Applin III pivoted from a career in home building to open a convenience store next to a four-way stop. Drawing on his childhood nickname, Bucky Beaver, he called it Bucky's, and within three years partnered with local friend Don Wasick to open another location. At 6,000 square feet, it bore little resemblance to today's massive locations, but claimed an on-site kitchen that helped set them apart from their competition. This food-forward concept paired with sparkling restrooms and consistently friendly service proved a winning formula that in two decades enabled Arch and Don to open 20 locations in southeast Texas. But Eric stresses it's important to understand that unlike today's Silicon Valley model of investment, Bucky's growth was slow and deliberate by necessity. Beaver didn't come to a bunch, you know, you know, investors in, in 1983 and say, hey, I have this idea for this unique kind of travel center. Why don't you give me, you know, $80 million at, at this rate and I'm going to put these all over the country and in five years, everyone's going to be a billionaire. It's a different model of capitalism that Bucky's had. And so that's why I think it, it takes 20 years before they're opening the first travel center and why the travel centers have kind of organically gotten bigger. In 2003, Applin and Wasik opened their first travel center on I-10 in the town of Luling between Houston and San Antonio. Since then, that location has more than quadrupled in size and will soon be replaced by the largest Bucky's to date. As of early 2024, more on the way in Mississippi, Virginia, Ohio, Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, and even out west in Colorado. But while Bucky's expansive model is unique by industry standards, their basic foundation isn't as original as some might believe. Before there was TA or Loves or Bucky's, there was Stuckey's. Founded in 1937, my grandfather really created the first roadside retail chain. When we come back, we'll learn more about the rise and fall and rebirth of Stuckey's, the OG roadside empire. For over 125 years, Lodge has been crafting quality cookware in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. It started with the iconic Lodge cast iron skillet made for cooking anything anywhere, and then turned to the seasoned cast iron Dutch oven and camp ovens. Now Lodge is making history with USA Enamel, the only line of colorful enameled cast iron made in the United States. And like all Lodge cast iron cookware, USA Enamel is designed to last for generations. Visit LodgeCastIron.com to purchase your own USA Enamel Dutch oven. For Lodge's longtime commitment to the Southern Foodways Alliance and this podcast, we thank them. Stephanie Stuckey is a former Georgia state lawmaker who serves as the chair of Stuckey's Corporation. 
founded almost 90 years ago by her grandfather, W.S. Ducky. Their name is familiar to baby boomers, who remember their rest stops and famed pecan log rolls. A vanilla nougat rolled in chopped pecans, the log roll became Stucky's signature concession. Stephanie says this sweet indulgence is key to understanding their history because well before becoming a gas station impresario, her grandfather started out as a nut broker. He could look at a pecan in the shell and say, that's a sly, that's a pawnee, that's a desirable. He knew pecans, he could grade them, he could weigh them, he knew the pricing. He cultivated this expertise when the harsh economy of the Depression forced him to drop out of college. Needing work in the year of a bumper crop, he borrowed $35 from his grandmother and began selling pecans out of a Model A Ford to processors in central Georgia. Then, in 1937, he opened a stand on Highway 23 in his hometown of Eastman. He started selling pecans, and people would pull over and they would say, well, do you have anything other than pecans? So my grandmother started making candy and snacks. And then people would say, well, where's the closest restroom? And where can I fill up with gas? This concept grew steadily. Then following the war, Stuckey's found itself well-positioned as traveling Americans increasingly started to embrace the familiarity of chains. By the 50s, companies like McDonald's and Holiday Inn were quickly lining freeways, and recognizing that old roads like Route 66 would be upstaged by interstates, around the time Eisenhower signed the Federal Aid Highway Act, Mr. Stuckey partnered with Texaco to build a gas station empire. And while Stephanie says fuel is what ultimately made him wealthy, well before Arch Applin, he recognized that customers craved shopping, food, clean bathrooms, and a healthy dose of kitsch. So... Mr. Stuckey filled his stores with items like rubber alligators, stuffed monkeys, coonskin caps, and souvenir spoons. He kept adding and adding, and he was meeting a need that people had. It's almost like a, a cathedral, a church of roadside religion. Stuckey's announced itself with large marquee-style neon signs, and their building designs featured sloping gabled roofs that came to be iconic. They were also placed strategically alongside exits on land that Mr. Stuckey purchased with an almost prophetic eye. And while Stephanie tells me his real estate instincts were informed by public records and open transportation hearings, he also made use of a simpler strategy. He would get in his car with a cup of coffee, and he would start driving and he would drink his coffee. When nature called and he had to pull over, that's where he put another store. Mr. Stuckey grew his brand one store at a time for nearly 30 years, until selling to a food conglomerate. By then, Stuckey's locations could be found in 40 states, and its sale fetched $12 million in 1964 dollars. Not bad for a business that started as a humble pecan stand in Eastman, Georgia. Yet this deal would come to haunt him. When you sell it, guess what? It's not your company anymore. Just your name. That's all. Initially, things went well. Stuckey stayed on to manage the division, which reached a peak of 368 stores. But when the company's CEO suddenly died, things started to turn. Management changed, Mr. Stuckey was ousted, and a Chicago rail syndicate took over. This made Stuckey's a subsidiary of a subsidiary, and instead of working to invest in and grow the brand, 
Leadership instead chose to close and sell off its valuable real estate portfolio. Companies aren't built overnight and they don't die overnight. It's a slow, slow decline. Around this same time, the culture of American travel also started to change. In the 70s, oil embargoes and foreign skirmishes kept people close to home through lines and costs at the pump. Soon after, the Airline Deregulation Act opened plane travel to the masses, making it cheaper and faster to go long distances. Why spend three days driving to California when you could get there in three hours? In time, travel became less about the experience and more about getting from point A to point B. For a company that had sold itself as a diversionary stop for families on their way to the Grand Canyon or the Great Smokies, Stuckey's felt behind the times. And today, out of those hundreds of original stores, only 12 remain in operation. But who doesn't love a comeback story? It just hardly ever happens that a family loses their brand, and then you get it back. In 1985, Stephanie's father, Bill, repurchased Stuckey's remaining assets. He reimagined the company his dad built through a program called Stuckey's Express. A store within a store, this idea enabled them to sell their goods inside existing travel stops and gave Stuckey's a lifeline. The brand, though, seemed tired, and by 2019 had a balance sheet that was six figures in debt. But when Stephanie heard her dad and partners were selling, instead of standing by as the Stuckey's name faded into obscurity, she took action. An environmental lawyer who'd never worked in retail, she couldn't get a loan. So she liquidated some assets, went against the advice of financial advisors, and sunk her life savings of half a million dollars into buying the remainder of her grandfather's legacy. She did this because she believed the brand had lasting value. This move didn't give Stephanie any control over the remaining stores, but it put her in a position to orchestrate Stuckey's next act. With help from investors, she merged with another Georgia brand called Front Porch Pecans, bought a shelling and candy plant, and brought their long outsourced candy production back in-house. More than pecan logs, their line includes over a dozen sweets like pralines and brittle. And Stephanie tells me they're on track to hit $25 million in sales next year. She also has big plans for the future. I see us as the go-to snack brand for pecans in the world. Just like you think Planner's Peanuts, I want pecans to be associated with Stuckey's. While she hopes to someday open a few select brick-and-mortar stores, she doesn't plan on re-entering the gas station business anytime soon. Still, she's adamant that the road trip is ingrained in Stuckey's DNA, which is an essential component of their marketing. I think it's kind of boring, frankly, as much as I love our candy, to talk every single day about, oh, our snacks are so yummy and so delicious. Yawn. Our narrative is we're, we're part of a road trip brand. It's like Corona beer. They're all about being on the beach. Well, you could be drinking Corona beer in your basement in Milwaukee and have the experience of feeling like you're at the beach. Thanks to the strange realities of the pandemic, Americans in recent years have rediscovered the road trip, and cross-country travel is enjoying something of a moment. Yet Stucky's story reminds us that cycles like these come and go, and continuous growth is never assured. It also provides lessons of caution for companies like Bucky's 
and raises questions about its future. Our chaplain and Don Wasik aren't as young as they were 40 years ago, and little is known outside boardrooms of any succession plans. The company rarely speaks to the press without legal counsel, and despite numerous attempts at initiating contact, my requests for any interviews at corporate were politely declined. But as one of the few journalists who's ever been granted inside access, Eric Benson tells me about something he noticed on a 2019 visit to our chaplain's office. He had a map on the wall of his office. It was, it was a map of the United States with lots of little thumbtacks surrounding the great cities of the southern United States. And you could see if you were driving from Atlanta to Charlotte, there'd be a Bucky's there. If you were driving from Atlanta to Nashville, there'd be a Bucky's there. Five years later, this map is coming to fruition. And many communities have welcomed them as a boon. The Buckies in Sevierville, Tennessee, employs 350 workers with wages that pay well above industry standards. Starting out, cashiers garner $18 an hour, while managers' annual salaries run well into the six figures. Those are meaningful jobs to a small town. At the same time, Bucky's remains a shrewdly run superstore, and superstores can divert business from smaller locally owned establishments. For this, concerns of environmental impact, traffic, and tax subsidies, Bucky's has encountered resistance. A 2021 plan to build in Eflin, North Carolina, was scrapped due to local opposition. They've since stoked similar controversy nearby in Mebane. That city's planning board recently voted to recommend denying the rezoning needed to break ground there. Economics and ecological worries aside, one also can't help but contemplate these stores' cultural implications. While Stucky's Georgia beginnings have always been subtly represented through pecans, Bucky's announces its Texanness in louder fashion. Sure, you can find Auburn hoodies at their location outside Birmingham and Gator ball caps in Daytona Beach, but the food stations in all of their stores are still called the Texas Roundup. Eric, though, suggests that's just indicative of the softening regional borders found across the South and world today. Even Texas barbecue is now a completely national and international phenomenon. You know, there are good Texas-style barbecue restaurants in Paris um, that people go to and really like. And so I think, you know, barbecue totally can work in Pensacola if it works in Paris. At present... Bucky's is betting that clean bathrooms and good food will continue to meet a universal and underserved need. While travel today is far different than it was when W.S. Stuckey opened his first stand, bladders still need to be emptied and bellies filled. Bucky's is answering this call with brisket, jerky, fudge, and in a twist, maybe even Stuckey's pecans. As Stephanie tells me, she recently got an inquiry email from their candy buyer. I didn't think it was legit. It was, in fact, legit. And while no agreements have yet to materialize, for her, this proposition represents a full-circle moment. And she thinks Stuckies and Buckies have it in them to now make a good team. Listen, anyone who celebrates a road trip, any brand, we're fellow travelers on the highway of life. Who's to say what this highway of life will look like in the future, as we reckon with the demands of a changing planet and technology? But Stuckies and Buckies are just two companies who, for better or worse, 
have shaped our roads into what industrial historian Dr. T. Lindsay Baker calls an endless corridor of consumption. And for now, at least, pecan logs and beaver nuggets are treats with staying power. Evan Stern reported and produced this episode. Most of the time, you'll find him traveling the highways and ranch roads of his native Texas, finding stories for his podcast, Vanishing Postcards. A graduate of Sarah Lawrence College and the British American Drama Academy, whether acting Shakespeare or charming audiences with the turn of a Cole Porter phrase... Evan is first and foremost a storyteller with a sincere love and appreciation for history, travel, and the art of raconteurship. We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music, Jazar for our donor music. We also owe a huge thank you to Clay Jones and Broadcast Studios for recording and mixing Gravy. These days, when we pour Gravy in your ear, it sounds better than ever. Thanks to Clay. Managing Editor for Gravy and all other SFA media is my co-host, Sarah Camp Milan. Olivia Terenzio is our podcast editor. Fact-checking comes courtesy of Heather Cole. Mary Beth Lassiter is our publisher. Want to learn more about the changing American South? Visit us at southernfoodways.org. Read oral histories, watch films, or listen to this podcast. While you're there, become a member or make a donation. Your dollars fund our work and help us make more gravy. I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm Sarah Camp Milam. Excited to lap up another episode of Gravy? Tell a friend. Pass the gravy boat. There's plenty to go around. Gravy is proud to be a part of APT Podcast Studios.